experts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. We are counting down the days to the election and what might be the start of the new bull market. If you've been listening for the last month or so, you know what I'm talking about. But until we have more clarity, we'll probably drift a little lower. Monday was a good example of what I mean. At one point, the Dow was down over a thousand points, then it made it way, its way back a bit. Maybe it was the elections. Maybe it was the rise in the reported coronavirus cases. Who knows for sure? But what I do know is that volatility is going to be with us for a bit longer. One of the most watched measures of volatility is the VIX, V-I-X. The VIX was created by the Chicago Board of Options Exchange, and it's meant to be a real-time market index that represents the market's expectation of 30-day forward-looking volatility. And it comes from the price inputs of uh, S&P 500 index options. Essentially, it provides a measure of market risk and investor sentiment. Back in May, the VIX went ballistic and it climbed up into the 80s. I think it touched 83. A number like that means the world is about to implode. It's since collapsed to where it is now in the low 30s. And that should mean that the real intense risk-off phase, well, it's probably behind us. But 30 is still a pretty high number. So maybe the world isn't going to implode, but the VIX is still telling us not to unbuckle our seatbelts. Put it in perspective, 30 on the VIX is about 10 points above its historical mean, around 20. And it's been above 20 for over 160 days. If it weren't for the great financial crisis back in 2008, this would be the record. Hopefully, over the next couple of months, things settle down a bit. First, we'll eventually learn the outcome of the elections. I don't know when. Could even be the middle of December, I guess, when, which is the deadline for the electoral college vote. But eventually we'll know. The market may have some sort of knee-jerk reaction when the results come out. But past that, things look pretty good for equity investors, no matter who wins. It might be better for the markets. Uh, well, let me take a second here because I know a lot of people are wound up about this election. This is not political commentary. Don't email me. I, I try and keep this show politically agnostic. Okay, so it might be best for the market if there's a blue wave. The Dems take home all the trophies. But in the near term, because in the near term, that means a huge amount of spending is going to be done. And that same spending could be a huge problem later this decade. But in the near term, a lot of spending is good. And that's a good segue to the next point, fiscal stimulus. There's been a tug of war going on among the political parties over fiscal stimulus. Keep in mind, there are two types of stimulus, monetary and fiscal. 
monetary is what the central bank controls through their policies, and fiscal is controlled by the politicians through their policies. Now, on the monetary side, that's the central bank, the Fed, we know what's going to happen because they've told us so. We're going to have lower interest rates for a long, long time, or not lower, I should say, low interest rates for a long, long time. And then when it might be time for the central bank to raise rates, they'll probably wait. So the Fed is providing a ton of free, easy money for a long time ahead. And that's great. But you need that money to be working. It just can't be sitting around. On the fiscal side, I do think that you're going to see a huge package passed after the elections. Investors are, well, investors as well as Main Street had hoped for something sooner rather than later. But with the passing of Justice Ginsburg and the confirmation of Justice Barrett, that got sidelined until after November 3rd. Fiscal stimulus is coming and in a big way. And the last focal point I'll talk about today is the coronavirus. Can't ignore that. I always take the optimistic view of things. At least I try. And I think there's hope here. We are seeing spikes in the number of reported cases abroad and in different regions here at home. But it seems to me the correlating death rate isn't the same. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm no doctor. But it seems to me like this virus may have mutated somehow. And now it's just more virulent and less deadly. Wouldn't that be good news? And you have to imagine that we're getting better at treating it. A year ago, no one had heard of this thing. So there's a steep learning curve there. And not to mention, just about every drug company in the world is working towards a solution in one way or another. Let me pull all this together for you. and We can move on and talk about some earnings. Why am I overall positive on the markets? The markets don't like uncertainty. You're going to have less uncertainty when the elections are done. You're going to have a ton of money out there and interest rates are going to be low for a long time. You're going to get a ton of fiscal stimulus. And every day we're getting a step closer to a vaccine or improved treatments, which allow people to get back to their lives. And that's great for the economy. The last time we had this recipe of low rates, easy money, and government spending was in 2008, 2009. And you can look back and see what the market did over the next 10 years. Pretty darn good. Let's talk about earnings for a couple of minutes. More than one third of the S&P 500 index components, or 186 companies, are set to report third quarter earnings uh, this week including some of the top names in the index. And some of the names I talked about here, ones that I own and my clients own too, announce. So let's talk about Caterpillar, symbol C-A-T. Their earnings were roughly in line with what the analysts were expecting. But what I think is the real story here is that their backlog in orders improved while the destocking also moved higher, which if I'm right, sets up for a favorable year ahead. I like CAT. If it would pull back to the mid-140s, I'd look at adding it. 
It's not there right now. It's in the mid-150s. Pulls back to the mid-140s, I'd look at adding it. And I bring it up because CAT's been selling off here the last few days. It's gone from oh, 170 down to, as I said, here in the mid-150s. As a matter of fact, I had a client email me, a pretty astute client too, asked me about the volatility of WCC. That's Westco, Westco International. It's been going somewhere between the high 50s and the low 40s. And my take on WCC and CAT are the same. You see a spike in the recorded cases of the coronavirus, and people start to worry about the industrials. They're worried that we're going to get shut down again as the economy. And if that happens, well, you don't need all this big industrial equipment, do you? So you're seeing some volatilities, volatility in these names that I think is directly re- related to the coronavirus. And I would use this time to add to the industrials when it makes sense at the right price, right? And I do so at the expense of the mega cap tech stocks. As I said, I like cat mid 140s and WCC here in the mid 40s. Another stock I talked about last week was Merck, symbol MRK. Merck announced they had really strong numbers. Uh, They beat earnings. They had decent revenue beat. They bumped guidance up. Really, what more could you ask for? I think Merck is really inexpensive here. It's trading about 13 times this year's earnings uh, or earnings estimates, I should say, and about 12 times next year's guess of what earnings will be. And it's paying a 3%. It really hasn't been this cheap since the late 90s, early 2000s. And as I said before, that's when they deserve to be cheap because they didn't have much in their pipeline. Now the story's different. They do. I think it's a buy, but you have to do your own research. Make sure it's right for you. Fits nicely into your portfolio. You know the drill. Okay, that's all that we have time for today. Most likely, we're going to be skipping next week's edition. As a practical matter, I record the show on Tuesday, later on Tuesday, so that compliance can review it uh, before I release it on Wednesday. Next Tuesday is, of course, election day. So it's probably just best if we skip it that way. People don't have to worry if they want to go vote and who knows how long the lines will be, so on and so forth. So next week, we'll skip. We'll be back the following Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. I'm Eric Whiteman, and this has been Common Sense Investing. The opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the hosts and may not necessarily be those of XML Financial Group. 
Information provided should not be construed as personalized investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any security or engage in a particular investment strategy. You should consult your personal financial advisor before investing to make sure an investment is appropriate for your situation. Furthermore, this information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Investing strategies such as asset allocation, diversification, or rebalancing do not assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. There are no guarantees that a portfolio employing these or any other strategy will outperform a portfolio that does not engage in such strategies. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.